Yes, he does. Yes, he does. He does save and he does make all things new. Thank you for that reminder this morning, choir. I'm going to ask the elders who are going to be participating and serving this morning, if you would come up and take your position now just so that we can move right into communion following the sermon, that would be great. As they're coming forward, um, let me welcome Brother Cy. Cy McCune is back. Um, from We just prayed for Oscar and Ada. Cy has been down in Nicaragua for a number of weeks serving alongside of Oscar and Ada, and uh, he's back. He's got wonderful experiences to tell you about, including what it's like to go to the hospital and get x-rays um, in Nicaragua, which I'm sure is an entire story all unto itself. Um, so you may know that Cy has had, um, has had surgery on a shoulder already and re-injured it. Um, and uh, your loving wife just told me that um, we should see the x-rays because indeed you do have a screw loose. Um, <laughs> trust a wife to tell it like it is, huh? Yeah. It's great to have you back safe and sound. And uh, we look forward to hearing both from here, but also just in conversation about how God used you. I know we shared a couple of emails, so I know a little bit of the story, but, uh, but do connect with Cy and find out um, what God was doing in him and what God was doing through him and some of the fingerprints of God that are, are evident in, in Nicaragua. Pray with me. God, as we open up your word, we pray that you would speak very clearly to us this morning. Use what we study this morning Use your word um, to prepare us to come to the table of communion. We pray that these would not just be human words, but that you, by your spirit, would speak truth into the very core of our being. You know what each of us needs to hear this morning, God. You love each of us deeply and fully. You know us better than we know ourselves. So would you speak what we need to hear today? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 5. We're going to be reading um, just a few verses from Deuteronomy 5, beginning at verse 12. If you don't have a Bible, there's some in the pew rack there in front of you. It's page 129, right near the beginning of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy is the fifth book. Deuteronomy chapter 5, beginning at verse 12. This is a part of the Ten Commandments, so let's hear this portion. Let's hear God's word. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day, the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor the alien within your gates, so that your manservant and maidservant may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. This is God's word to us this morning. Thanks be to God. As I mentioned earlier in the service, this afternoon is our annual general meeting and the AGM reports were distributed a couple of weeks ago. Hopefully you've had a chance to look through it. Uh, The theme of the AGM report is God's fingerprints, God's fingerprints. And 
And if you read that report, which I'm sure all of you have, you'll you'll note in the lead pastor's note at the beginning of the entire report that this whole theme of God's fingerprints is introduced to you using the passage that I just read for you from Deuteronomy chapter 5. As I mentioned, this passage is a part of the larger text of the Ten Commandments, God giving the Ten Commandments to the people. Actually, it's the second place where the account of the Ten Commandments is recorded in Scripture. The first is found in Exodus chapter 20, and it seems like Exodus chapter 20 is the account of of God giving the Ten Commandments through Moses and, and the whole account of how that transpired. And then here we are in Deuteronomy 5, and it, it's a little bit like its review. Moses is going back to the people and, and reminding them, saying, hey, remember when God did this. He's reminding them of how God gave them the Ten Commandments and what all of those commandments entail. And so here we are in Deuteronomy 5, and Under the fourth commandment, we read what was read for us this morning. We note that God's people are commanded, fourth commandment, they're commanded to observe a Sabbath, a day of rest. The fourth commandment is is a reminder to God's people then and a reminder to us now of a very, very important truth. A very critical truth, and, and it's a truth that I identified in, in my note in the AGM report. And here's the truth that it reminds us of. We are a Sabbath people. We are a Sabbath people. And, and I note in the AGM report that this is both a practical and a theological statement. We are a Sabbath people. Practically, that means that we do this once a week. We gather together once a week on Sunday Sabbath for corporate worship. That's what we do. Uh, we're together clearly at other times. There's, there's life groups, small groups that happen throughout the week. Um, we're together um, serving alongside of one another in various ministries other days of the week. We see each other at other times of the week. But we're a Sabbath people, meaning that we come together on this day and this gathering forms the centerpiece it forms the pinnacle of our week and of our lives we're together at other times but this is the time when we gather together did you know that we gather together now on the first day of the week my google calendar when i pull it up always shows sunday as the seventh day of the week always on the right hand side of the calendar many calendars Paper calendars are set up the same way. And so we get into that mindset where we come here, lose our voice completely, and then we gather for worship, and we consider that even subliminally as the end of our week. And so we go to bed tonight, and we wake up on Monday morning, and we look at our calendars, and we say, what's on the agenda for this week? It's a new week. But in Scripture... To find Sunday, the day that Jesus rose from the dead, it says on the first day of the week, the women went to the tomb. Sabbath was the first day of the week for the New Testament church. It was the day that they said, we are going to worship God. We're going to come together as a Sabbath people and marking the resurrection of Jesus, we're going to gather on the first day of the week. 
to start our week out so that it's the pinnacle, it's the highlight, it's, it's where everything starts from because we are a Sabbath people. So we're going to gather practically together on the first day of the week. And so there's a practical element to our definition of being a Sabbath people, but there's also a theological element because we don't just get together for the sake of getting together, right? We could do that at any other time. We take time to gather together once a week like this for a particular purpose. And that particular purpose is worship. We gather together to worship the living God. And there's even a context to our worship. And the context is God's saving grace. The context of our worship is that we gather together to worship because God in Jesus Christ has saved us. That's easy to see on a Sunday like this when in a few moments we will be actually celebrating communion together. But even on the Sundays we don't celebrate communion. The saving work of God in Jesus Christ is the, 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 the highlight, the context, the, the framework of our worship. I think it's a pretty safe bet to say this, that no matter what the Sunday no matter whether we have communion or not, no matter um, what the, the other elements of the service are, every single time we are together celebrating the Sabbath together, the saving work of God in Jesus Christ is the centerpiece of our worship. We talk about it, we read about it, we preach about it, we sing about it. The saving work of God in Jesus Christ is the context of our Sabbath celebration. We're a Sabbath people who gather together to remember God's mighty hand and his outstretched arm. Look at verse 15. Here in, within the, the command to observe a Sabbath, the Sabbath is commanded, no one can work, and then verse 15 says this, Remember. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. It's a very, very important point. Now, I have to admit something to you. When I was preparing um, that note in the AGM report based on this text, and as I was thinking about and preparing for the sermon here today over the last few weeks, um, particularly even at the end of this week, I, I I said something to God that I regretted, and I had to confess it, but my initial thought was, God, as I'm looking this over, is this what you're calling me to preach on? Because this seems terribly simplistic. It just doesn't seem to be that wow factor. And, I, and I, this doesn't happen to me often, but I immediately felt the Spirit of God just whisper into my voice, Graham, you're right. <laughs> this message is so simple but it's not terrible or pathetic. It's profound. And I believe that God would want to capture our imagination as we come to the table this morning with this profound word from his word right in that verse. Because here's the command from God to observe the Sabbath, and the reason is given. He says to them, you're, you're to remember the Sabbath, stop working. Remember, he says to the people, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and remember how I came in and with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, 
I rescued you from slavery. Remember that, God said to the people. And because I've done that for you, because of my saving work on your behalf, because of my mighty hand and my outstretched arm, therefore, it says in verse 15, therefore, because of all of that, I want you to observe the Sabbath. I want your gathering together to be a response to my saving action in your midst, my mighty hand and my outstretched arm. That's what I want you to celebrate when you gather together on the Sabbath, when you mark the Sabbath, when you're taking a rest, you are to remember what I have done in your midst. The Sabbath is for remembering God's saving action. It's interesting. Because even a cursory glance of the Exodus passage, the other passage where the, the Ten Commandments are given, the Exodus passage, when it talks about the Sabbath, words things a little bit differently. And, and some of the wording is just different uh, different wording. It doesn't change much, but there is one part that potentially changes a lot. In the Exodus 20 passage, it says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, etc., etc. Then down Exodus 20 verse 11, it says this, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. I got to thinking about that, and I did some reading on this, because it, it would appear that in, in the Exodus passage, when the Sabbath is commanded, the reason for, the, for God commanding the Sabbath, the reason he said to celebrate the Sabbath, was because, well, when God created the heavens and earth, he worked for six days, and then he took one day out of the seven, and he rested. And so it, it would appear in the Exodus passage that God's saying, so remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy um, in order to model the, what I did. I worked for six and I rested for one and I set a model for you. So I want you to observe a Sabbath so that you are simply modeling what I have modeled for you. It's good for you. That would seem to be the sole reason for the Sabbath day. And yet you get to Deuteronomy and another profound reason is given. No, no, I want you to take a Sabbath. I want you to rest one out of seven so that you remember my mighty hand and my outstretched arm. Seems to be a difference. Hang with me just for a second, because this is, I think, simple, but it's profound. If you go back to the Exodus 20 passage, there is one other difference in what I read for you between the two passages. In the Exodus passage, God says, six days you shall labor and do all your work. And then on the, the other day, rest. But six days you shall labor and do all your work. Do you know, did you know that there's a difference there between the word work and the word labor? Not a Hebrew scholar. That is not me. But from the reading I did, there's different, two different words there. Work is what we do. You know, it's what occupies your nine to five. Um, it's it's, it's the, the work that we do throughout the week. But, but that, that's the sense of that word. But the, the word labor is a different word. The word labor there has the picture of toil. In fact, some translations say, six days you shall toil. Toil has this idea of the sweat of your brow and, and, and just grinding it out and, and having difficulty. That's toil, right? Some of you know what it's like to have a, a day at work versus a day of toil at work, right? You know the difference there where you come home and you think, oh, that wasn't just work today. That was toil. It was, it was 
labor, that things were going wrong. It was frustrating. It was hard. That's toil. And here it says, six days you shall labor, (laughs) you shall toil, and you'll get all your work done. And then on the one day you can rest. Do you know that the word toil there is the same word that's used in Genesis 3, where God's giving the judgments to Adam and to Eve and to the serpent for uh, the eating of the tree that they were told not to eat of. And when he's speaking to Adam in Genesis 3, he says this, To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat. Here's the punishment. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you shall eat of it. Not work. Through painful struggle and difficulty. In fact, he goes on. He says, it'll happen all the days of your life. The ground will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your brow. Toil, right? Toil. The Exodus passage would seem to say, so we're going to have a Sabbath rest so you can rest from that toil. Rest from your your toil. Rest from your work. But it's not just just work. It's, It's that sense of being... living out the consequences of our sin. The toil that we have, scripturally, is one of the consequences of our fallen natures. We will toil. And one of the reasons for the Sabbath is to say, six days you're going to struggle and toil, but on one, one day of the week where you can rest. Where you can remove your focus from the consequences of your sin, where you can focus on my saving work on your behalf. That's a proper understanding of the two readings together, I think, Exodus and Deuteronomy. We are a Sabbath people. We rest from our toils, that that notion of the consequence of our sin, and we are reminded in the Sabbath rest of God's mighty hand and outstretched arm, saving not just Adam and Eve, but um, but even us as we celebrate communion, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. You see, the fourth commandment is designed to be a time where we simply ha- we can have a rhythm to our lives, a holy rhythm. And it's a holy rhythm that, rightly understood, regularly positions us in a Sabbath rest where we can remember God's saving work in our midst. And here's where it comes down. The Sabbath was designed to remind God's people of his fingerprints in their midst. Remember how I brought you out of slavery. Remember how I set you free. Remember? Remember how my fingerprints have been on you in the past? How I've been, my mighty hand and my outstretched arms have been working for you? Remember that, Sabbath people. That's what God is saying. Remember God's fingerprints. That's what the Sabbath time is for. You know what? Recognizing and remembering the fingerprints of God is not just a theme. here in this passage is a theme throughout scripture. God's people were often reminded to take time to remember and to recount, to remember how he had been active in their, in their midst, how his fingerprints had been there. Joshua chapter four. We looked at this about a year ago. The people are crossing the Jordan river into the promised land and God moves the waters back of the Jordan river and the people walk through on dry ground. And in Joshua 4, God says to the people, when you're walking through the Jordan River on dry ground, grab some stones, 12 of them, one for each of the tribes of Israel. Grab them and take them and assemble them. And then later on, in, near the end of Joshua 4, 
um, God says to the people, set the stones up so that when the generations to come ask you, what's with the stones? You can tell them the story. Essentially, the story about how I provided for you. These stones were symbols of God's saving action in their midst. They were, they were fingerprints, as it were, that they could point to future generations and say, look, what are the stones about? Let me tell you. God was at work in our midst. Let me tell you how, what he did to provide for us. Fingerprints. Recounting the fingerprints. But why? Why would God want them to remember? Why would God say, take time to remember my action, my, my mighty hand and my outstretched arm in your midst? Why would he call them to do that? Well, near the end of Joshua 4, there's this great verse. After God tells them to do all this with the stones, Joshua 4.24 um, says this. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. And so that you might always fear the Lord, your God. Here's the key. When God's people remember God's fingerprints, it emboldens them for the journey ahead. When God's people remember how God's mighty hand and outstretched arm has been at work in their lives, when they recall that, when as a Sabbath people they step back and they remember that, it gives them the courage to go forward. If God provided for us then and that way, then whatever comes, whatever is coming, God will provide for us. His mighty hand and his outstretched arm was powerful then. It's going to be powerful as we journey ahead. That's what we did in Psalm 136 this morning. We only read part of Psalm 136. Remember the refrain, his love endures forever. If you read all of Psalm 136, all the psalmist is doing there is just recounting for the people all that God had done for them. If you read through the whole thing, it talks about all that God had done for them. And every time he gave a little snippet of what God had done for them, what's their refrain? I, I didn't give you much of a notice. That was my fault. Okay, so wake up. Here we go. Um, every time God recounted for them how he'd been active in their midst, their refrain was, I've been active in your midst. My love endures forever. Did you get that? That is such a powerful thing. I've been active in your midst in the past. My love endures for... Right? That's what the people... That's what the psalmist was doing in Psalm 136. Look at my fingerprints so that you will be confident that just like my love was faithful to you then, it will be faithful for... So as you journey forward, no matter what you face, remember what I've done in the past because you will journey forward knowing confidently that my love endures for... Right. When we see the fingerprints of God, it gives us the courage to go forward. By the way, we do this even and especially when the present is dark and hard. We do this especially when the present is dark and hard. Genesis 22, some of you know the story of Abraham offering his son Isaac. Abraham and Sarah given a, a child in old age. Isaac was their treasure. And then God says to him, I want you to go sacrifice your son Isaac. What kind of barbaric thing would that be? And yet Abraham says, God, if you're telling me to do it, I will do it. I will trust you completely. And so he gathers everything for the sacrifice, takes his son. They start journeying up the mountain. And 
Isaac was pretty sharp, and he looks around and says, okay, we've got everything for the sacrifice, Father, except for the sacrifice. And what does Abraham say to his son? Genesis 22, God himself will provide the lamb. God himself will provide the sacrifice. And if you know the story, you know that God does provide the sacrifice, and Isaac is saved. And it says at the end of Genesis 22, so Abraham renames the place, called that place, the Lord will provide he renames the place. The Lord will provide. And to this day, it says in Genesis 22, and to this day, it, it is still said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. What a powerful verse that is. To this day, the, the generations that came after said, oh, no, this is the place where Abraham was provided for. The Lord will provide. We know the story. And so they said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. You see what happens there? They recounted the story. They knew that God had provided. And so they journeyed forward saying, no, no, on this mountain, whatever this mountain is, the Lord will provide. I mean, imagine Abraham in that state going, God, what are you calling me to do? It is dark, but I will trust you. You have provided in the past. I've seen your hand upon my life in the past. I will trust you. You will provide. And God did. Remembering God's power in the past emboldens us for the future. My friends, each time we're together as a Sabbath people, that is what we do. We remember God's fingerprints. We remember his mighty hand and his outstretched arm. And it gives us the boldness and the courage to move forward. It's AGM Sunday. Our theme is God's fingerprints. The AGM report, if you've read it, has recounted the fingerprints of God in our congregation over the past year, how has God been active and moving? God's mighty hand and outstretched arms at work in our, in our fellowship. As a Sabbath people, we remember how and where God's mighty hand and outstretched arm has been at work in our midst. And on this AGM Sunday, we don't just gather together to pass a bunch of motions and approve a budget, although that's all important. What we really do is to say, no, no, we can see God's fingerprints. We can see his mighty hand and his outstretched arms. And so we are going to, we're going to burst out of the gate. And we're going to enter this next year confident and courageous that the Lord will indeed provide. Confident and courageous that his love does endure forever. It's also Communion Sunday. And we're going to finish our service this morning by coming around the table. It's a time when we stop and we remember as a Sabbath people, God's mighty hand and his outstretched arm in Jesus Christ, his saving action on our behalf. And as we gather around the table this morning, as we celebrate God's mighty hand in Jesus, as we celebrate the fingerprints of God on human history, as we remember this morning, my friends, let, us, let our remembering embolden us as we journey on. Maybe as the elements are being distributed this morning, maybe you, you need to take time to think and pray, God, where are your fingerprints in my life in the last six months? Where can I see you at work? And no matter what I face in the now or in the future, where are you calling me to courageously surge forward? Where are you calling me to trust you now based on your fingerprints in the past? If God was faithful then, he will be faithful in Insert here. What, what is the struggle? What is the thing you're facing? Lord, you have provided in the past. Help me to trust you to provide in the future. Let's pray together.
God, as we gather around the table this morning, our prayer is that you would meet us in a a unique and powerful way. In the stillness and in the quiet as we contemplate all that you have done for us. The fingerprints of Jesus giving of himself fully for us. Lord, would you let that marvelous love soak in deep within us. The love that you have for us. And then let us celebrate your, your faithfulness toward us. Your enduring love. And as we celebrate and remember your fingerprints on the cross, let us be bold and courageous moving forward. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.